hey, Joe Casaboni here, and I'm just letting you know that how I built it is now Streamlined Solopreneur. So if you're seeing a new artwork and a new name in your podcast player, that is expected and by design. The new name better reflects the mission and really what has been the mission of this show for the last few years, and I'm really excited about it. All the links in the show notes and how I built it will still work, but the show also has a new home over at streamlined.fm if you want to check it out. Thanks so much for listening. This episode of How I Built It is brought to you by two great sponsors. The first is our season-long sponsor. Liquid Web has been best known as a managed hosting company with tons of options. It's also designed a managed WordPress offering that is perfect for mission-critical sites. If you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptimes, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the partner you've been looking for. Every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer has iTheme Sync integrated into their managed portal, allowing them to update several sites with a single touch. Liquid Web hosts all of my critical websites and I couldn't be happier with them. If you sign up today using the discount code HOWIBUILTIT33, you get 33% off for the next six months. Visit buildpodcast.net slash liquid to get started. That's buildpodcast.net net slash liquid. It's also brought to you by WP SiteCare. WP SiteCare is the premier support and maintenance service for high-profile bloggers and small businesses. They get technology out of your way so you can focus on doing the things you love. With custom packages built to meet your specific needs, their team learns what you need to prosper in your online business, and then they get to work to help you be successful. WP SiteCare loves working with creative and advertising agencies to fill in the gaps for technology and WordPress expertise. Share the offer code BUILT with your friends and clients to save 20% on their protect or professional packages. Or if you need something more specialized, contact them at any time at hello at WPSiteCare.com and they're happy to help. That's offer code BUILT for 20% off any annual plan. And they've got two. So if you've got a blog or small business site that you need to protect, head over to buildpodcast.net slash protect for their protect plan or buildpodcast.net slash pro if you need something a little more advanced. Hey everybody, today we have part two of our educational WordPress series and I talked to Justin Fairman of LearnDash. In the episode, we talk about building an audience through a blog to generate interest and gauge interest. We talk about the importance of communication, not only with your customers, but also with your developers. And we talk about a whole lot more. So I really enjoyed this episode. I'm a big fan of LearnDash. I use it at WP in one month. Uh, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So without further ado, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is LearnDash founder, Justin Ferriman. Justin, did I say your last name right? Yes, you did. I've, I've heard All it right. said a lot worse, so you're good, Joe. <laughs> Excellent. That is the unofficial first question of the episode. I always forget to ask in, in pre-recording. So today we're going to be talking about LearnDash. LearnDash is a plugin that I, a uh, big fan of, I use it at WP in one month. And uh, by the time this episode comes out, you'll have some uh, brand spanking new tutorial videos recorded by yours truly. But 
before you view those, why don't uh, we ask Justin, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and the product and how you came up with the idea? I'd be happy to, Joe. So back in 2012, I was working as a full-time e-learning consultant, setting up learning programs at, at large companies and uh, for the U.S. government. And I was on the road a lot. And so I remember thinking, you know, this is good for now, but I eventually want to stop living in hotels, which is what I was doing four or five days a week. And I was on a one project, and we were talking about which learning management system to use. And somebody mentioned open source, and Moodle was the one that was mentioned, and it's a very popular open source learning management system. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I wonder if WordPress has something, because at the time, WordPress was just kind of a fun thing for me. I did some blogging, and then I also had uh, set up some sites for some family members. So I just always dabbled in it. And I went and looked on the repository. Uh, there was nothing there. And... I think the more I thought about it, I was like, that's a pretty cool idea. So I set up a blog in March 2012 and started blogging about the concept. Just say, hey, this is what I think a learning management system would look like on WordPress. And then I also blogged about other e-learning topics and, and items that I was passionate about. And it wasn't until, you know, maybe about halfway through 2012 that I was talking with my wife who co-founded with me and we were getting a lot of interest. And, and by that, I mean people signing up for an email list. I put a little sign up form on the blog just to see if there was any traction there. And uh, people started signing up and, and asking questions and thinking it would be a cool idea. So it was later that year that we decided to pull the trigger and find someone to, to build it based on our specifications. And uh, January of 2013, at the end of January, is when we officially launched. Nice. So you and your wife co-founded and then you you hired a developer to do it. So do you, do you code at all? Front end, back end, dabble? I don't. I know how to have those conversations with people. Uh, when I was doing my e-learning consulting, we were creating courses. It was often on very technical concepts, and I had to get use wireframes to communicate with the you know subject matter experts who were, were giving me that information. Then I translate that information for the end user. And so I knew how to talk that language, but I don't know how to code. My wife doesn't know how to code, so we knew we needed to find someone to, to do that. And that was a big part of of 2012 is when we kind of decided this is pretty cool. I think we're going to do it. Uh, there's interest there is, you know, how do we uh, find somebody first of all that, that we can trust and, and you know, what that, what's that going to look like? So it was a lot of interviewing uh, going on of, yeah. of both just uh, freelancers and firms, et cetera. So that, you know, we've, we eventually uh, found who that would be and, you know, we, we started that process. Nice. That's awesome. So uh, basically up until this point, Everybody I've interviewed has either been a developer or their partner was a developer. So uh, this is kind of new territory for the podcast. Can you talk a little bit about what the process of hiring a developer is like? You know, like what was the um, how did you define your requirements and what kind of questions did you ask? Because I think that's really valuable stuff that we don't really talk about, at least on this show. Yeah, I think that's a great question. One of the things that for people that don't um, know how to you know code something out themselves one of the difficult things i think from a developer standpoint is people have ideas in their head and they say oh this is what i want it to look like can you make it happen and that's that's great because it makes sense inside that person's head but for a developer uh, and most developers they like to maybe better visualize or see process flows and so one of the things that was important that we did in this process was create these wireframes about the functionality we wanted from day one and kind of a process flow for each for each thing. So like the user clicks here, when they click mark complete, this uh, lesson indicator changes to a different color, they're routed to the next lesson. 
so just creating those uh, simple wireframes, I think I did it in Microsoft Excel, and having that standardized document to then take to the different people that we were talking to, uh, that was key. So they could understand the concept. In addition to that, though, I think there uh, there's a non-technical component for finding developers and or talking with firms, for instance. And if you think that you'll get along with them, yeah. you know, for in business. So I'm big on communication. I think it's the only way that anything gets done. So I couldn't, knowing me, I would become frustrated if I had somebody that was locked away in a room, maybe working on the product, but I have no insight into what's going on. And so uh, a lot of that was just getting people on the phone and, and if, you know, if they got frustrated after like two, three calls before the project even started, then okay, well, that's probably a good indication that we probably shouldn't work together. So uh, that was another part of it. So my advice to anybody that is uh, looking for someone to, to kind of create their, their dream is to make it as clear as possible on, you know, in, in uh, whatever format you like, I used Excel because it just, it makes sense to me, but Make it as clear as possible what you want it to do, and even you—you you don't have to be a designer. Mock up what you think it will look like. You know, you can use what Microsoft Paint or something. It doesn't matter, but to give a little bit of a visual too, and then also make sure that whoever you're hiring is blending with the way that you work, what your expectations are, and be just brutally honest. You know, that's what I was. I said I would say up front, like I am, I am kind of uh, really hung up on communication. So like, if I send an email, I expect you know that you get back to me like within that day. So, you know, those, those are my two things. And, you know, a lot of it is just kind of in some respects a gut feeling. I tried to find somebody that was local uh, because that way I could, you know, actually see them and talk to them about it in an ideal world. That would have been uh, what I did, but it, you know, it, it didn't work out, but it, maybe if you can find somebody locally that you can just have like a face-to-face -face meeting throughout the project here or there, that'd be, that'd be helpful. Gotcha. That's that's a lot of great advice. Speaking from a developer standpoint, any visuals to help me understand the flow of the project, especially when you're building uh, a plugin that relies, you know, that it doesn't rely on the design as much as the user experience because people are going to add their own themes and yes, so the design is going to be, you know, will be different throughout. But understanding the experience and and what takes users from one step to another. Uh, is really important. And in software engineering, you know, we learned about user stories, which is basically that mm -hmm. Alice logs on to the site. Uh, she signs up for a course. She sees the course introduction. So exactly. Think, yeah. So that's, that's fantastic. You touched on this a little bit. Uh, so when you uh, had the idea for learn dash, you, you went to the repo. Uh, did you do, or I guess really what research did you do as far as feature set goes? Like, what did you know you needed for day one? Another great question. I think a lot of what I what was going to be in the feature set for day one, I already kind of knew. I was working in learning management systems every day, all day. And there was a core set of features that I knew had to be there, at least from the very beginning. Now, of course, there, we were missing a lot of stuff from the version 1.0 that I would have loved to have in there. But uh, just when you have to get something to market, you just got to get it out. So yeah. uh, that was, you know, we, like, for example, we had a gamification later on in the, in the process, but we, um, you know, a lot of it I knew already. Uh, I write almost daily, even still four or five times a week about e-learning. And so my finger's always on the pulse and I know, I knew at the time where the trends were and I knew what I wanted, but some of it, I will give credit to people who wrote in uh, when I was blogging about the concept or they would leave some comments on the blog 
say, will it do this or will it do that? And, you know, I do remember a few times thinking, uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's see if we can, let's see if we can try to get that into version 1.0 or if not 1.0 soon after. So, you know, that was generally just kind of pulling the audience a little bit and going off of, you know, trusting myself really uh, in terms of the feature set uh, and what I wanted it to do from, from day one. That's excellent. So I was a little bit, you, you're in the space and, and you know what the competition had. Uh, and then listening to your customers, which is a recurring theme uh, here on how I built it. You know, I think people are often talking about how uh, a lot of research they did comes from just feedback they got from their customers and what their customers wanted. Certainly. Yeah, I think that's um, there's a balance, though, I will say, uh, just to give the other side of it, too. I mean, your customers are going to offer up feature suggestions on, in ways that will very much help their situation or how they're using your product, mm-hmm. uh, as they should. The job of you as a business owner is to figure out, okay, which of those ideas can we either modify so it applies to more people than just one? Or if it's not a good idea for the masses to just explain, you know, that's a great suggestion. Thank you. And then maybe explain why that, that you won't be doing it. And that's fine. It's okay to say no. Uh, But listening to your customers and giving them, making them feel comfortable about giving suggestions is, is key. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that there was a great article by uh, 37 Signals, well, now Basecamp, but about how, mm-hmm. you know, they get flooded with suggestions and they, they'll default to no until they get enough justification to add in a feature. And, uh, you know, you, you are the gatekeeper of that, but you also need to do what's best for the masses, right? Mm-hmm. I go to Disney World frequently, uh, like twice a year, three times a year. My brother works down there. And Every like without fail, every time I'm in the park, I'll overhear somebody say, "You know, you know what they should do," uh, and then something like super specific to their situation. <laughs> so uh, it is good to get suggestions, but it's also important yeah. to know that you know the suggestions might not be best for a wider audience. Sure. Yeah. And speaking about features and and what's good for your business and things like that, I talk often about being in a mastermind group on this podcast or. You know, just bouncing ideas off of people. Do you have people that you bounce ideas off of? Are you part of a mastermind group or anything like that? I do. I'm not part of a mastermind group, but I do have people that I trust and uh, that have I've kind of met either before my journey in entrepreneurship or since the the launch of our product. So uh, that that kind of came about organically. I just as you do business mm-hmm. and you talk with different people, and if someone else is running a business either in a similar space or not, they can be that p- person that you bounce ideas off of. So yeah, I had that. I was fortunate to have you know some just trusted uh, life friends before we started. But to be honest, before we launched, like it was something that was, you know, I held my cards close uh, to the mm-hmm. chest because before you have a product, like everybody has an idea. So right. it, it, those it's hard to get like practical advice at that time because either people don't believe it yet or they're not really understanding the concept. But as, you know, as we launch a business and then we started facing, you know, issues or problems or just challenges, I should say, uh, having the people to talk to is definitely good. It definitely has helped us. And that would be people in the WordPress space. That would just also people outside the WordPress space. So if somebody is starting a product, uh, listening to your podcast here and they're like, oh, I want to, I want to make sure I have a, a network of coaches or, or mastermind, you know, joining masterminds uh, can be certainly helpful. I, unfortunately, I can't speak to speak to that uh, directly, but what I can say is that you can get involved in the WordPress community if the product is WordPress related and go to conferences and, and stuff. If, if it's not WordPress related, then 
figure out your industry, whatever, if they have a, a get together, a meeting, a meetup, whatever, I'm sure they do. And just start going and talking with people and, and forming genuine connections. Don't shouldn't it be something like, Oh, I'm going to need your help. Uh, so I'm going right. to just talk to you because of that, but just, you know, networking really. And then you'll see that over time it sifts itself out and you find the people that you trust. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely excellent. And, and, uh, that's, I think one of the biggest false positives that you can get before you have a product is, Hey, I'm thinking about making this. <laughs> Would you buy it? Yeah, sure. I guess. Or like, you know, like that's, and then when it actually comes time to, to do it, you know, people are probably less likely to do it. So yeah. That's that's really great advice, uh, you know. And Meetup dot com is a great a great resource for not just WordPress meetups, which are pretty common, uh, but you know, if you're in the Drupal community or anything like that, or not at all like in the web community, if you build like three D games or whatever, I'm sure you can find somebody uh, or find a meetup group in your area for that. Absolutely, awesome. So we are approaching the title question here, uh, which is how did you build it? So we talked a little bit about. Uh, what you did to find a developer. So maybe we could talk about a little bit about the the requirements you set out, how you run your business. This is really a pretty open-ended question based on the thing that you know best. Uh, and I will caveat this a little bit for you. So I'm really curious to know how you keep your finger on the pulse of e-learning especially. And to some extent, as as comfortable as you're answering this, uh, what's it like working uh, closely with your wife as a business partner? Sure, I'm happy to to talk about both those. So, the how I built it, obviously, I w- I wasn't the one that physically built it. I wasn't typing out the code, but it, it was you know it was my wife and I's idea. So, uh, you know, finding that person, obviously, we talked about that. But then going forward, I had the focus on what I knew I was good at, and. The e-learning industry, I, I knew I had an understanding on that um, really better than anybody else in, in our space. And also, another thing that used to drive me nuts, I'll give you a, a little story to this. One thing that drove me nuts about consulting is I would be there creating these training programs for people, and I'd have to talk to the client, and they would just be annoyed that they had to talk to me. So they would ignore my emails, or I'd have to swing by their cubicle to ask them questions, <laughs> and they would always roll their eyes. and. It, it kind of wears on you. You're always bugging people. It felt like, but I needed their input in order to get my job done. So knowing how much that frustrated me, I remember when we launched. Uh, so if I'm not coding, then I'm supporting. And uh, I knew how to. I know how to support people in WordPress, and and that's you know where I put all my you know energy at the time. My wife and I were like, all right, we're going to be so responsive with support, it's just going to blow people away. And uh, that was kind of you know that's what we started off doing. And that's how we started building a positive relationship with our customers. The ones that were like, yeah, you know, these new guys, let's try them out and uh, see how that goes. And we were, they would send us a question and it was like, boom, they would get a response like almost immediately. It's funny because we're, we really wanted to form that positive interaction right from the get go, be it support or pre-sales. So uh, that we, we created that positive momentum in the, in that first year doing that. And then at the same time, you know, I'm still writing about e-learning. I yeah, obviously I write on the blog, but I also write for publications and magazines in the field. So it requires me to make sure I know what I'm talking about. So I'm also reading, reading what's going on in the field. And uh, partly because I just find it interesting, uh, but also just it helps me. Now I view it as it helps me know our product better. It helps me 
expand our product in smart ways. I mean, sure, we could throw a bunch of features at it, and we we do have a lot of features, um, as anybody that uses LearnDash would attest to. But those are developed with specific intent. Whereas, you know, we could put in every trend that is in out there in e-learning. We don't. So, you know, as we continue to build it, which uh, now we have, you know, full-time employees and and developer, and as we continue to build the stuff out. A lot of that feature input is coming from what I happen to know about the industry, but also it's kind of cool too, as you build a team, they come up with nice ideas, or if they're talking with a customer and supporting someone, they come up with ideas too. So it's it's definitely not all me, but it's just, uh, it, it kind of starts like feeding itself. It's a very organic thing. The second part of your question though, I will talk about with working with my wife. I, you know, I tell people all the time, it was very challenging at first. Uh, at the time I was uh, always gone on the road with consulting and she was in grad school. Wow. When I decided to take the leap, uh, about four months, it was in April of 2013, take the leap and, and leave my consulting career and go to full, LearnDash full-time, I was like home all the time, and that was kind of new for us. And we, I remember we were, we were just moving in together as well. Uh, you know, we, were, we hadn't been married that long, so it was a challenge. And then, and she was done with school, I remember she graduated, so <laughs> suddenly we were both home. So that getting an understanding of each other's working styles was, you know, was a process. And then we would work all the time together. So when you're not working, you just like want to veg out and just like not do anything. And from a personal standpoint, you got to get to invest in your relationship. You know, that's just, you can't just let th- think that that's going to you know stay healthy unless you actively are uh, investing in it and, and making date nights where you don't talk about work and stuff. So right, right. that was a, that was a big learning curve. And now we're at a point like we work in different uh, at our home office, we work in different um sections and, and different offices and we'll we have slack so our whole team is on slack including us so you know I'll, I'll talk with her on slack you know rather than you know going to the same room with her just it does create a little bit of uh you know sometimes that needed distance and then we at the end of the day we both kind of you know meet meet in the kitchen so it's it's, it's yeah, nice that's awesome yeah I, I bet like uh talking work like more or less just on slack is probably uh creates like a little bit of like cognitive dissonance between work and home life it really does so. yeah it's it's kind of funny how that works but yeah it's been it's been a slack's been actually a great tool for obviously for a team and as it has been for a lot of people yeah that's that's fantastic so you launched in late 2012 early 2013 right yes and it's been about four years a little more than four years now so what kind of transformations has learn dash gone through uh since it first launched uh <laughs> many I'll give a little story. We were, you know, in the very beginning, we, we got to market. We wanted to get to market quick. And uh, we were doing well in that. But our focus was mainly in the e-learning space. Uh, is, even though we were a WordPress plugin, my industry was e-learning. So a lot of the focus was there. And it made sense. As, you know, as time went on, we grew, a, we grew our presence in WordPress. And so we realized that we needed to do things differently. Um, based on the feedback we were getting from WordPress developers that were working with LearnDash at the time. So uh, we realized we needed to do things differently and get out of our own way in some respects. So we actually hired about, I think this is 2015, we hired another firm to go through our entire code base and redo it. And wow. that was, it was stressful, but it was so necessary because uh, I look back on now, and it's one of the smartest things we ever did. Now developers can use our you know, use LearnDash uh, from a WordPress background and 
create really amazing things. And, you know, we have all the like, nice inline documentation and everything looks the way that they would expect. And we try to really go over the, over and above on that. And that's a testament to that firm, but it's also a testament to, you know, our employees now who, who work on it and they continue that. So that was a huge, like I said, in 2015 to, to essentially say like, okay, now we're going to redo everything. Yeah. It was uh it was a process, but it, it was a needed growing pain. And looking back, like I said, it's one of the best things uh, that we did. Cause now at the time that was one of the biggest criticisms that we would come across. And now it's like, it's virtually not there. Yeah. That's, I mean, even, uh, you know, I was digging into a little bit of um like either one of your plugins or, you know, one of the hooks to, kind of customize my own thing uh it turns out i didn't need to you already actually had that extension and i found it all right <laughs> but uh you know it's that is one thing that's big in, in the wordpress community especially is it's open source and so if i need to add something there are ways that i should be able to easily do it right without like hacking the plugin so that's i mean that's really great to hear and, and i'm sure it's it's probably helped your growth quite a bit, right? Because now you have other people kind of developing Absolutely. add-ons or extensions for LearnDash or things like that. Yeah, I know so. I know that that's really helped us. That's fantastic. So the the last official question, I guess, right? Uh, what are your plans for the future? We are recording this in, it's May now, uh, mm-hmm. and this episode is coming out uh, probably in July. So uh, look into your crystal ball, which is the present for our listeners. And mm-hmm. uh, what, are your, what are your plans for the future of LearnDash? Oh, okay. So there's, there's a lot of different futures. There's the immediate future. There's uh, you know, a little bit long-term, more long-term. So, with the, so certainly REST API is on our radar. We're really digging into that now um, and, and starting getting the wheels in motion for that this year. But I think... REST API in general still has some maturing to do before like people really fully understand the ways and different ways to use it. And that's perfectly fine. It's the nature of anything. Uh, so that's definitely uh, on the radar for the future. You know, mobile learning is huge. Um, it's enormous. And so the mobile space is something that we're looking at. And, uh, you know, be it with apps or um, what have you, I think that's definitely something. Those are conversations I'm having today with people. So, you know, nothing is currently being worked on at this moment, but it's definitely going to be, uh, well, as of May. So maybe in July, that'll be different. <laughs> but uh, that, you know, there's that piece. You know, in the immediate future, we have some really cool stuff in the pipeline. Um, we're, we're doing some improvements to our reporting uh, extension pro panel based on feedback. Uh, we did a complete overhaul of that code back in uh, late 2016. So that was, uh, that was well received. And then, you know, around videos as well. So in the immediate term, one of the features that we have coming out will probably be out by the time this is released is more elaborate ways to uh, leverage video throughout a course. So it's more, you know, tracking usage of, of viewership and controlling how a user is pushed along in a course based on if they watch the video or not, you know, something that's a little bit more control over uh, the learning path based on, you know, videos. Cause that's a lot, we get a lot of questions about that. Uh, obviously videos are a great way to learn. So uh, we want to create, and we are, we're pretty much done. We're getting into testing, but uh, some new functionality around how videos are presented in LearnDash and um, in online courses in general. Man, that's excellent. Well, I will look forward to that feature cause I, uh, the first course I launched on WP in one month uh, was not video based, and it is my least popular course. Yeah, 
Yeah. So uh, videos, I mean, especially if you're, you know, my courses kind of teach people learn by doing how to build a thing uh, and videos are the way to do it. So like my Beaver Builder course is very popular. Mm-hmm. Great uh, course too. Is, oh, thank you very much. It is mostly video and I just kind of redesigned my module page to to take advantage of the videos more than, than previously. So mm-hmm. really looking forward to that feature. Oh, cool. Yeah. So before we get to the bonus questions, which I know I haven't given you, so the, those will be off the top of your head. The uh, last question, my favorite question, do you have any trade secrets for us? <laughs> trade secrets. Yeah, I think one of the – and this isn't anything new, so I guess it's not a secret, but I guess maybe I'll lend my voice to it. But one of the biggest things that people overlook when creating an online product is how people are going to find it. They get the idea for the product and they focus solely on the product. Now, when we started in 2012, when I started the blog, I couldn't I couldn't create the product. So just by de facto, I had to start creating buzz. I remember looking, Googling WordPress LMS and nothing came up in Google. I was like, well, okay, <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad yet, but well, you know, I'm going to start blogging about a WordPress LMS. And now, I, you know, that early marketing that I was doing is paying off in dividends. I mean, we don't do any paid marketing uh, at this point, you know, everything comes in organically and, you know, had, had we not done that for like 10 months ahead of time, uh, you know, by yeah. the time we launched, it was, it was insane. People were like chomping at the bit to get it before we even launched. So my advice or trade secret or whatever is if you have an idea, great, you know, before you even build it, just start marketing it because, if there's no interest or if people don't understand the concept or whatever, then you don't have to waste your time building it. That is excellent advice. Advice I definitely need to take. I take a very field of dreams approach to products. Like <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Yeah, yeah. And I, I need to be better about, it. I actually wrote a note to myself during this interview to that. I need to blog more and create more buzz around my courses. So uh, that's excellent advice. If you're looking to build a product, make sure to, to take that into account as well. So, Justin, thank you very much for that stuff. Here's the the fast five questions that I like to ask. Uh, it's five or six. I can't find the sixth one. Oh. So, the, so <laughs> fast five sounds better than five fast yeah, six. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, though I might get sued by like, uh, is it Universal for like the Fast and the Furious movie? <laughs> yeah. So just top of your head, uh, answer these questions. Okay. What book are you currently reading, or the last book you read? Oh, this is gonna be so lame. It's the actually I have it right next to it, the Italian Gambit system. It's a chess book. I play chess and uh, I love just like learning different opening theory and playing. You know, I play online. I have a chess group that I go to. So yeah, that's kind of my outlet in some ways. When I'm not thinking about work, uh, when you think about chess, you can't really focus on anything else, or, or you're going to get destroyed in the game. So yeah, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and I definitely like that it's Italian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, what music do you like to listen to? Oh, I like everything. But recently, I'm kind of making fun of myself because probably within the past like four years, three, four years, I'm really in the country. Uh, I just, I used to make fun of my dad for listening to it. And now I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is my jam. So <laughs> uh, country, but I like it all. I like, even from to like classical, my, you know, my wife, Chloe, she, um, she's trained to play cello. So she went to school for playing cello and oh. such. So like that's grown on me as well. And, uh, yeah, that, I'm I'm kind of a connoisseur of music. I like most. Nice, that's awesome. I um I definitely make fun of my wife for listening to country music too. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all bad. Uh, Give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. I definitely like Brad Paisley. Like he has a song about cigars, and I really dig that. So, 
Uh, what is your favorite food? Nachos. 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 And I'm going to specify that it has to have a cheesy sauce, not that real cheese stuff. It has to be like a like a cheesy sauce on it because when it's nice. when it's real cheese, it cools, it gets hard, and then it's just bad. Yeah, so it's got to be like that. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> very, very cool. Yeah, I'm going to go get nachos now. What is your favorite sports team? This could be any sport. I interviewed Chris Badgett, and he mentioned like a, a – Iditarod, like a, a guy from the Iditarod. So it doesn't have to be a major sport, just your favorite sports team. I'm going to give you a couple. The U.S. men's national soccer team. I love soccer. I played it in college, so that's kind of uh, – I just love watching it. And so them and then uh, Detroit Red Wings hockey. Nice. Are you from Detroit? Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, born okay. and raised in Michigan. Nice. And uh, the last question – you don't have to like answer this right, like right off the top of your head. Uh, it's a little bit more involved, I guess. Uh, how did you learn what you know? <laughs> I guess uh, it would depend on what I know, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> depending on how you're talking to, it might be something different. But uh, let's see. I think in terms of like the e-learning space, I just kind of fell into it. I had a couple internships in college and my first internship, I remember it was for the HR department of an automotive supplier, and we were building a corporate university. Go figure, right? And now, <laughs> uh, you know, then I remember I did that for a couple of years, and then I ended up going to grad school, and then out of grad school, I hired into this consulting firm, and I ended up in the uh, training and development space of that thing because I just had some background experience and whatnot. So, you know, and then I started doing consulting gigs. So that's how I, you know, came about. Um, knowing, you know, my industry or getting introduced to my industry. And then, you know, one other thing that I feel uh, <laughs> I like to write, I like to blog and everything. And it's funny is I just always have enjoyed writing. I remember in university when there'd be tests and stuff. And if it was like an all essay test, like people would be like groaning. And I'd be like, yes, because <laughs> it was, uh, you know, I feel like um, the more I wrote, the better I got. And you know, if I didn't know the answer, I could always, uh, I could always eloquently dodge it, you know, even in my writing. So, <laughs> yeah. So I think it really comes down to is in both those, it was just kind of practice. How did I come to know what I know is having an interest in writing, practicing writing, having an interest in e-learning and, and learning management and practicing through obviously working. Uh, but, oh, and then over time, it just kind of refines itself. That's fantastic. So, well, that is, that's all five questions I've got for you. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. No, it's been fun, Joe. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Liquid Web, who's a season-long sponsor, and WP Sitecare. Be sure to check them out. Uh, they're great, great services, both of them, uh, and they're big supporters of the WordPress community. Uh, and finally, if you like the show, please go ahead and rate us and review us in iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Uh, which they recently changed their name to, that really helps people discover the show. So uh, the more people discover the show, the more listeners we have, and the longer I'll be able to do this. So head on over to Apple Podcasts, which is also iTunes, uh, and leave us a rating and review, and maybe I'll even read it on the show. So thanks so much for listening. Until next time, get out there and build something.